Welcome to Psych Talk. I am your host, Jessica Lee, a licensed clinical psychologist. It is my mission to motivate, inspire, and educate you on everything psychology, mental health, and self-growth. Although topics discussed on this podcast are similar to therapy, Psych Talk is not a replacement for therapy and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Whether you are a mental health professional or student in the social science field, are interested in psychology and mindset shifts, or are just interested in gaining skills and knowledge to grow into the best version of yourself, this podcast is for you. My hope is to provide you with knowledge and skills that you can implement in your daily life that add up to make a big impact. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psych Talk. In today's episode, I am going to be talking about redefining failure. This is a topic I have made a variety of posts about on my Instagram account, and I think it's something that many of us, if not all of us, can relate to because at some point or another in our lives, we have failed, or at least we have defined something as a failure. So first, let's do that. Let's define what it means to fail. So failure can mean a lot of things. It can mean a lack of success. It can mean not meeting a desired outcome, um, the inability to perform a certain function. However, the criteria for failure really depends on the context as well as the person's perception. For example, in school, there are often clear definitions of failure as defined by a certain grade or percentage. Similarly, in the medical realm, individuals may be in renal failure, for example, because their kidneys are not performing the functions that they are supposed to. However, in most contexts, something is a failure because we label it as such, not because it is innately a failure. So what do I mean by this? In so many situations in life, we will say something has failed or we have failed. A failed marriage, the company failed, I failed at getting into graduate school. But what we are actually communicating is that something resulted in an undesirable outcome, an outcome that is different than the one that we wanted or expected. Just as we could say our marriage failed, we could also simply just say our marriage ended. It is the same outcome, but the language we use around that outcome is different. Just as we could say the company failed, we could also say the company closed its doors. Same outcome, different language. Just as we could say I failed at getting into graduate school, we could simply say I didn't get into graduate school. Once again, same outcome, different language. And that one we removed the term failure altogether. Um, I have probably said this on this podcast so many different times, but language is such a powerful thing, and the way we speak to ourselves and about certain situations in our lives is going to impact how we feel about them. Thus, in most circumstances, but not all, something is deemed a failure simply because that is the label that we put on it. Whether that be due to internal pressures, societal pressures, or simply because that's the only way we know how to conceptualize what happened to us. I just talked about how things are failures because we label them as such. This means that we have the power or control over defining failure. 
I think this is an important concept to remember that we define failure because so often when an undesirable outcome arises, one that we might label as a failure, we often internalize that outcome and end up saying that we are a failure. Failed actions do not mean that we are a failure. Our mistakes, shortcomings, or missteps do not define us as a person. This is a broader concept than just relating to failure, but it is important that we separate ourselves from our behaviors. So what do I mean by this? Our behaviors do not innately define our worth as a person. You can be a good person and engage in a bad behavior. You can be a successful person and still experience failure. As a side note, just because I don't want someone messaging me after this episode, I'm not excusing any bad behavior. And I recognize that behaviors do somewhat define our character, particularly repeated behaviors. So example, someone who always goes out of their way to hold the doors for others, spends time volunteering and donates to charity, it is likely that they are a good person. Their actions show that they are caring and want to help others, so their character is probably one of a good person. Similarly, someone who persistently bullies, threatens, or harms other people and does not seem to care is likely a mean or quote-unquote bad person. So yes, I do recognize that our behaviors do in some way define our character. However, the point I am trying to make is that just because we have failed at something does not make us a failure. Just because we made a mistake does not mean we were a mistake. Just because we did something stupid doesn't mean we are stupid. So I hope that clarification makes sense. So it is important to remember that we define failure. It does not define us. One thing I wanted to talk about is why we fear failure. I haven't done a survey. (laughs) However, if I surveyed people and asked them if they perceived failure as a positive or a negative thing, I bet most people would say negative. We are told from an early age by society, by our families, that failure is something bad, something that we should fear. Because of these messages, whether explicit or subliminal, it has made us navigate life from a place of fearing the horrible, bad, potential failure, whatever that may be. Because of these messages, we just accept that failure is quote-unquote bad, and we don't ask ourselves things like, what is the worst thing that could happen if I fail? Now, I'm not minimizing that the worst thing that could happen is a bad outcome because when we consider worst case scenarios, it is usually bad. That's why it is a worst case scenario. However, we have a strategy in the therapy realm where we go through worst case, best case, and most likely scenario. And I think that's really important when thinking about failure, especially when thinking about possible failure or future failure. So let's take a test, for example. I tend to use tests as examples because we can all relate. What is the worst case scenario if you fail a test? Maybe it's that 
ultimately that one test results in you failing the class, which in turn significantly brings down your GPA and you are unable to get into graduate school. So that is worst case scenario. What is the best case scenario if you fail a test? Obviously, the best case scenario would be you don't fail. But if you fail to test, what is the best case scenario? Maybe it's that you get to retake it. That would be nice. And then what is the most likely scenario? And the most likely scenario is likely and often up to the individual and their past experiences and a whole slew of individual factors. But maybe in this scenario, it is that a person fails the test, but it doesn't bring down their overall grade significantly. I would also argue, in addition to asking ourselves, what is the worst thing that will happen if I fail? We could also ask ourselves, what is the best thing that could happen if I fail? Which brings me to the next thing I want to talk about, which is how failure isn't always bad. If we do not experience failures in life, we would never learn and grow. Using a concrete example of failing a test. If we never failed a test, and probably a lot of people listening haven't, so if you are one of those people, think about a time that maybe you did more poorly on a test than you wanted to. But if we had never failed a test or did worse than we wanted to, we wouldn't know what we need to do in the future to better study or prepare for the next exam. Failing the test often, not always, but often will motivate us to change our behavior in the future. Additionally, fear of failing often results in us not taking risks and staying within our comfort zone. Our comfort zone is great. <laughs> But staying in our comfort zone also halts and paralyzes our growth. If we never take risks due to fear of failing, we do not propel forward. Thus, taking those risks and failing, or potentially not failing because we never really know what the outcome is going to be before it gets to the outcome, it helps us grow, whether it be personally, professionally, emotionally, spiritually, or what have you. Hello, would you like to learn to meditate? Or perhaps you've meditated for quite some time. I started around 50 years ago. As you know, meditation is good for lots, including stress reduction, letting go of anxiety, self-exploration, and ultimately awakening. If meditation or awakening interests you, Check out my podcasts on Awakening Together with William Cooper. All of them are free. Both the description and the link are in the show notes of this podcast. Failure, mistakes, backsteps, whatever you want to call them, is required for growth. No human is perfect, and we shouldn't be striving for perfection because it does not exist. So once we learn to accept that shortcomings are part of being human, which, side note, is a concept that we discuss in the realm of self-compassion work, common humanity, if you are interested, my first three episodes of this podcast, other than the trailer, were on the different components of self-compassion, so check it out. I have a whole one on common humanity. But we can learn to start reframing those shortcomings 
missteps or mistakes as failures and start seeing them as growth opportunities. So another concept in failure is not always bad. In every perceived failure, there is some success. So what do I mean by this? Whether it's school-related, interpersonally related, work-related, within yourself, or related to your goals, even if you quote-unquote fail at whatever it is, that perceived failure has success within it. I am better with concrete examples than kind of giving definitions, so I will give some concrete examples to explain what I mean. Say your relationship quote-unquote failed or ended, if we're going to change the language around it, that relationship succeeded at teaching you what you need in your next relationship. That relationship succeeded in teaching you what you will and will not tolerate in your next relationship just as some examples. Say you failed at landing your dream job. You still succeeded at putting yourself out there and interviewing. If you failed at achieving a personal goal, you succeeded at getting closer to that goal. Maybe you also succeeded at redefining that goal or setting new goals along the way and achieving them. Part of identifying success in your perceived failure is redefining what you mean by success. So for example, if you previously defined success as reaching that ultimate goal that you did not achieve or that you quote unquote failed at, you will first have to let go of that being the only definition of success to be able to see the little victories along the way. So another concrete example, because like I said, it's easier for me. So if you... For example, say you decide you want to run a marathon and your goal is to run it in four hours. You cross the finish line, but you ran it much slower than you thought and you ran it in five hours. Did you fail at your goal? Your gut reaction might say yes, because your goal was to run a marathon in four hours. But really, no, you did not fail at your goal. You may have not achieved it in the time frame you wanted to do so, However, you still crossed the finish line, you challenged your body, you didn't give up, maybe you didn't even walk, who knows, I've ran a marathon once, I definitely did a lot of walking, but regardless, you had many successes along the way. So going back to the question I posed earlier of what is the best thing that could happen if I fail? It is just as important to ask this as it is to ask the worst thing that could happen, especially when you're holding back from doing something due to fear of failure. Maybe failure will open new opportunities and give you more time. Maybe it will allow you to take a step back and reevaluate your values and goals. Who knows what will happen, but good things can and do come from failure. So now the last section, this is going to be a shorter episode today, is really how do we redefine failure? So part of this is just kind of revisiting and hopefully making more concise things that I've already discussed. So first, changing your language. When we're redefining failure, we have to change our language around failure. I said that in most cases, something is a failure because we label it as such. Thus, the first step in redefining failure is changing our language around the things that we are labeling as failures. 
This can either be done with using other terms to simply replace the word failure or using language to reconceptualize the situation. So for example, instead of saying, I failed at making the soccer team, you can change the language and simply say, I didn't make the soccer team. Or you can use language to reconceptualize the experience by telling yourself something like, this year I didn't make the soccer team, so I will continue to practice and try again next year. Or you could also look for alternates, such as, since I didn't make my school soccer team, I will look for a local rec team to play on. Language is powerful, and when we stop defining things as failures and start defining those things by using other language that still conveys the same outcome but isn't as harsh, we're going to feel better about it. The next step in redefining failure is taking responsibility for what happened without attaching your worth to the failure. It is important that when we have an undesirable outcome, we take ownership for it because by doing this, then we hold the power to do something different in the future. And it is just as important to make sure that ownership doesn't turn into making you feel like you are a failure. For example, if you did not meet a work deadline and initially tell yourself you quote unquote failed at meeting the deadline, it's important to take responsibility for not meeting the, the deadline by identifying the things that you did or did not do that got in the way of completing the task on time. It's also important to do this without blaming others or external factors, even if others or those external factors are legitimate barriers at times. So why am I saying not to blame external factors? This is because often these are not in our control and thus if the same situation were to happen again in the future, when you have a deadline to meet, you will have to accept that external factor while simultaneously adjusting your actions. So with this example of the work deadline, maybe your project took more time than you had planned, resulting in you being unable to complete it. Thus, you can take ownership for not budgeting enough time, and next time you know you need to set more time aside to complete the project. Another example might be, maybe you went out with friends the night before the project was due and said you would finish it when you got home, but you got home later than expected and went to bed. Next time, you know not to go out with friends until after you complete the project. So then once you take ownership for your actions that may have contributed to the undesirable outcome and recognize what you can do differently in the future, it's time to practice acceptance. Accept that you will do something differently in the future and do not attach past mistakes or actions to your innate worth as a person. You may have failed at meeting a deadline, but it does not make you a failure or incompetent at your job. Another aspect of redefining failure is identifying the successes. So I spent a bit of time talking about this, so I'm not going to belabor the topic. However, remember that in every perceived failure, there is some type of success. So learn to identify those successes even if it takes time. You might not be able to do it right away. It might take you reflecting and writing things down, 
but learn to look for the little victories or the little successes. And it's going to help kind of digest, for lack of a better term, the outcome that you initially did not want or help you reconceptualize that outcome. The next aspect of redefining failure is looking at what you learned. These could be life lessons, things you need or want to do differently in the future, or skills you took away from the experience. So you can ask yourself, what lessons came with the experience? Ask yourself, what skills did I gain? Think about, did you gain a recognition that the initial goal you had does not necessarily align with who you are or what you want to do? Lastly, I want to talk about effective forecasting. Effective forecasting, and that's affect, like emotions, affect, A-F-F, instead of E. Um, So effective forecasting is a concept in psychology that refers to predicting how we will feel in the future. What research shows is that humans tend to overestimate how positively or negatively we will feel about future situations. So why am I bringing this up when talking about redefining failure? Because I think it's important to remember that we are likely going to overestimate how badly we will feel if we fail at something. We may feel that if our marriage fails, if we do not get that dream job, if we don't make the sports team, if we don't get into graduate school, that we will be extremely depressed or angry and maybe we will question what we're going to do. How will we possibly move forward? All of these negative emotions and thoughts may flood our mind as to what we predict we will feel. However, the reality is, although we are probably accurate in the way we will feel such that we will experience most likely negative emotions rather than positive emotions, you know, we're not bad at guessing that, you know, most of us are not going to be overly excited if we don't land our dream dream job the intensity that we experience these emotions however is likely to a much lesser degree than we are predicting we will experience them at so i just want everybody to keep that in mind because as i've talked about on this episode the fear of failure often holds us back and part of that is We predict that if we fail, we are going to feel horrible in one way or another. And the reality is we will probably not feel great, but we overestimate how we are actually going to feel. Remember, failing at something does not mean we are a failure and failing is part of the human experience. So thank you so much for joining for today's episode of Psych Talk. Like I said, it's a shorter episode. I like to throw some shorter episodes in there because I know my interviews tend to be longer and some of my personal episodes and individual episodes tend to be longer as well, but sometimes it's nice to have a more short, concise episode. So I hope if you got all the way to the end, you gained some knowledge or insights or this was helpful in any way if you are currently struggling with fear of failure or recently experienced something that you have labeled a failure. So as always, I appreciate you all listening and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye. This episode of Psych Talk was brought to you in collaboration with Dive Through. Dive Through is a mental wellness company that helps you dive through what you go through. 
Dive-Through has an introspection app which includes guided breathing, journaling, and reflection. I have been using the Dive-Through app for almost a year now, and it really helps center me when I'm feeling overwhelmed. Their website includes blog posts on a variety of topics from emotional well-being to personal growth to parenthood and the LGBTQIA community. They have a free anxiety guide created by two licensed mental health professionals, as well as other mental health podcasts. To download the app, click the link in my show notes, and for more information, visit DiveThrough.com. That's D-I-V-E-T-H-R-U.com. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Psych Talk. I hope you found so much value. If you loved what you heard or gained some knowledge, I would love for you to take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jessica Lee PhD. Additionally, I would be honored if you leave a review and five-star rating so I can continue to help this podcast grow. If you are not already, follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook community, Grow Through What You Go Through. Thank you for joining me today, and I cannot wait for you to join me during the next episode. Remember, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are braver than you know.